After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Just a little baby lying there so safely, cradled in its mother's arms, being taken care of. Nothing to be scared of. No, it's not afraid of any harm. Listen, brother. We are children in his arms. Listen, brother. Open your heart. And when you think that no one's there, someone. And every Jew is a child of Hashem. Baby growing older, steps becoming bolder, and his parents by his side. Challenge. will meet him but nothing will defeat him he can feel that sense of pride so listen brother we are children in his arms listen brother open your heart Daddy 
Each and every one of us is a child of Hashem. Jam in the AM. Micha Gammerman, A Child of Hashem. That's the title track of his latest album. I want to dedicate that song with great thanks to um, uh, to Judy Hertzfeld, who uh, not only introduced us to Micha Gammerman, uh, but donated to JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network this week in honor of Micha Gammerman's brand new album, A Child of Hashem. That was the title track. She likes hearing track one and track four. That was track four we just played now and track 10. Uh, so those of you out there uh, who are curious about her favorites on that brand new album, there they are, one, four, and 10. And as she points out, the album has a variety. Um, fast, upbeat songs, even keel songs, pretty and slower songs. And I thank her for uh, donating to the uh, fjbunity.org website, fjbunity.org, to the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, and for sponsoring our candlelighting announcement, uh, which officially for New York City is 417 today. Candlelighting time, 417 today. My thanks to Judy and the uh, Hertzfeld family. Friday morning broadcast on this December 29th, final Friday of 2017. Weekly update coming up at 740 Eastern time this morning. It is the 11th day in the month of Teves. Hope your fast went well. The year 5778, Tavshinai and Ches. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. As we close out the book of Bracious, candlelighting, as I said, 417. And Monday we are here. Monday we are here. A lot of folks take off on Monday. It is, after all, the first day of the year. Uh, but Monday we will be here at uh, JM in the AM. Make sure to be tuned in between. 6 and 9 a.m., even earlier than 6, because we usually get started sometime around 5.30 with bonus JM. And then Mayor Weingarten is scheduled for 9 o'clock on Monday with the Israel Show. Yoni Pollock is scheduled at 10 o'clock with the World of Sports with the program called After Further Review. There's a lot going on Monday, even though it's New Year's at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, JM in the AM with Micha Gammerman and his Shalom Aleichem before his a, a Child of Hashem selection. You heard Benny Friedman off of Yesh Tikva with Shalom Aleichem, Birchas Habanim. That was Ohad, a request from Israel. Chaim David Burson, brand new with Kulanu Nizamer. That's a brand new album, Tain Lanu Chaim. And Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. 13 degrees outside. <laughs> I know those of you listening around the world, especially in certain places, have no Rachmanis on us. But there are other places that do have Rachmanis on us. 13 degrees outside with 62% humidity winter west at 7 miles per hour. Uh, let's see, what do we got today? Morning clouds, afternoon sun, a high of 26. Hmm. 26. Suddenly that seems warm, huh? Um, tonight, mostly clear, low 19. Bundle up on the way to and from Shul tonight. And tomorrow, uh, afternoon snow showers are possible with a high temperature of 28. Yerushalayim right now at 61. We're at 13 Fahrenheit at JM and the AM headquarters in New York City. My gosh. My gosh. How are we surviving? I don't know. Anyway, uh, we go to the NSN app, which has been very, very active uh, since bonus JM this morning. Cool Mom asked us to play Birchaz Abanim, uh, preparing for Shabbos in Mitzpah Yericho. Cool, Mom, you got it. We played you the song. Now spread the word about NSN. Tell everybody in Mitzvah Yericho that they should be tuned in every afternoon to us at JM in the AM. Listener Devorah says, my parents returned to the States this week from a few weeks here in Israel. I love telling my mom 
when she says how cold it is there. Oh, we also have 21 here today. Yeah, they probably mean 21 Celsius, I bet. I'm missing them lots already. I think almost all of them will agree that missing family is the hardest part. That I am sure. Shabbat shalom, Devorah, and thank you. Oh, cool mom responded. What a great way to get into Shabbos and the Shabbos vibes from Mitzvah Yericho, Israel. Uh, they want to hear some more Nissim Black. And Nissim Black was actually a guest star in that song from Chaim David Burson. How do you like that? Uh, Erev Shabbat Shalom says, love Yerushalayim, listening from Yerushalayim. Thank you. A lot of response from Israel on our app this morning. That's great. JM from Teaneck, of course. He wants to hear Eighth Day. And um, and a song from their uncle off of his Israel album. We'll see what, we'll see what we could do. Uh, JM from Teaneck claims it's 10 degrees in Teaneck, by the way. Wow. And listener Sandy in Muncie says it's nine degrees. Keep the warm music coming. Oh, my gosh. Boy, oh, boy. There is a song from Eighth Day that I love playing on Fridays. I think uh, JM from Teaneck already knows which song I'm talking about. And um, I think that's how we'll start the next segment here at JM in the AM. Eighth Day is next. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and thanks for listening to the Nahum Siegel Network. Remember, it is the final Friday of 2017. For a lot of people, the final business day of 2017, please go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and make a generous donation before the end of this calendar year to us here at the Nahum Siegel Network and JM the AM so we can keep on going. Do it now if you can, fjb for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org, and we thank you.
meet your family and your neighbors. It's now your time. Senseless hate. Say to your ways, kept that smile and wiped our tears away. Promised us there'll come a time when we'll always say, Shabbos now, Shabbos now.
Shabbos Shalom. 
J.M. in the A.M. with Shlomo Katz. Oh, yes. Shabbos Kodesh. That's Yismachu, Pure Soul with Modim before that. Brand new Tzvi Silberstein, Yala, off the album Yala that just came out. Uh, it's Shabbos now. That was eighth day, of course, here at J.M. in the A.M. Listener uh, J.M. from Teaneck requested that on our app. Our app, very active this morning, NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. Listener Devora says, reminder for your listeners, many people who normally itemize deductions and take charity as a deduction may not do so in 2018 with the new double standard deduction of $24,000 for married couples. Consider making your contribution for JM and the AM during 2017. Well, it will count when it will count in your itemized deductions. Then, of course, Devora adds parenthetically, and, of course, again in 2018. Well, thank you for that. And everybody out there, remember, it is the final Friday of 2017. The year will end. The secular year, the calendar year, the business year will end on a Sunday night. And if you'd like to get your uh, donation to Jam and the AM and the Nahum Single Network in before that, and we wish you would, if you like things like the weekly update, which is coming up this hour, if you like, well, next hour, if you like things like uh, Rabbi Yudin and his Torah portion of the week discussion coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, if you like Naomi Nachman's program, Table for Two, which is coming up later on this morning, um, if you like uh, our Erev Shabbos show, sponsored by the wonderful people at Kedem, presented by Mark Zamek, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, then throw us a few dollars to keep on going, please, and be as generous as you can. FJBUnity.org. FJBUnity.org. That's how you can immediately... And I mean immediately. Uh, support JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network, fjbunity.org. And we thank you. Uh, plenty coming up here at JM and the AM. As I mentioned, the weekly update about uh, 45 minutes from now. Uh, Malcolm Honline, the executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, he will join us here at JM and the AM with the weekly update. Should be interesting to hear his take on some of the things that have been going on over the last couple of weeks. So we'll do that coming up. Want to remind everybody that we are part of the Douglas Sokloff experience for Pesach 2018 at the Westin Lake Las Vegas Resort and Spa. An amazing lineup, great speakers, including Rabbi Mayor Soloveitchik, um, wonderful amenities, and a great way to get out of this 13-degree weather. <laughs> What's more important than that? Uh, 1-800-826-5645 is the number. one 800 826 Five six four five. There's also a website, sokloffexp.com, S-O-C-L-O-F-E-X-P.com. Utilize that website and uh, start checking out where you can be in Las Vegas this coming, this coming Pesach. Candle lighting at 417 here in New York on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. Monday we are here. It is a, a New Year's Day on Monday, and we are still here between 6 and 9, so make sure to be tuned in for that. And, of course, all weekend long, Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with Avrami starting at 9 o'clock, JM Sunday Live with Matis at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, Sunday morning. So many wonderful things going on. It's amazing on this great network. Um, and, of course, as I mentioned, fjbunity.org. That's where you can donate and support JM in the AM. Also, speaking of websites, I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com. OnlySimchas.com now utilizes their news feed for very interesting news stories from around the Jewish world. Not only all the great Simcha news, but other news as well. And very often they're utilizing our content, which we greatly appreciate. OnlySimchas.com. Our recommendation is to check them out every single day. 
at least once a day. Check out their news feed at OnlySimchas.com. A special shout-out to our friends at Bedford-on-Park, 61 East 34th Street in New York City. Bedford-on-Park has announced that they are open New Year's weekend. Yes, yes, yes. You get an opportunity to um, head over to Bedford-on-Park this coming Saturday night, this coming Sunday, uh, which is New Year's Eve. They're going to be open from uh, from 5 p.m. until the last seating at 9.30, and they'll have, of course, party favors and a celebratory atmosphere as 2017 comes to an end. That's going to be happening at uh, Bedford-on-Park, the northwest corner of um, 34th Street and Park Avenue in New York City. So, again, they are open Sunday, 5 p.m. until 9.30 p.m. Excuse me, 5 p.m. till after midnight, but the last seating is 9.30. You want to make sure to be there by then. And then, of course, Monday, New Year's, they are open for lunch and dinner. Monday, the 1st of January, if you are in New York City, if you're visiting, if you're touring, etc., etc., they are open at Bedford-on-Park, which we continue to highly recommend. Food is absolutely delicious. They're open for lunch and dinner this coming Monday, so check them out. The best way to make a reservation is to go to Open Table on the uh, Internet. Go to Open Table for Bedford-on-Park, 61 East 34th Street in New York City, and go and enjoy. So you can enjoy Bedford-on-Park Sunday starting at 5 p.m. with the final seating for New Year's Eve at 9.30, and you can enjoy Bedford-on-Park uh, lunch and dinner on Monday, New Year's Day. Check them out, Northwest Corner Park and 34th Street in New York City. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galitzal in the background. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday Arab shop as follows next. We say Boker Toe from JM in the AM. Galitza al Shah Stein, Kanoa Mavirami Mashikura Shav. Tsal, Tukef Bashah, Harona, Madotchel Hamas, Bitsvon Ritsuataza, Bitguvali Rish Losha Raketot, Lehivuna Moatza, Zorit Shah, Negev Mukdam Yuter. Raketa Hat Paga, Betoha Hada Yishuvim, Vegarmal, Nezekal, Hada Mivnim, Achloa Unifgain, Katavenu Nir Shved. סמוך לשעה 11.50 דקות הופעלה הזקת צבע אדום במועצות האזוריות שער הנגב ושדות נגב. מערכת כיפת ברזל הרתה שתי רקטות מתוך שלוש. רקטה נוספת התפוצצה באחד היישובים בשער הנגב, לא היו נפגעים. בתגובה לירי תקפו מטוסי חיל האוויר וטנקים של צה"ל שתי עמדות של ארגון הטרור חמאס בצפון רצועת עזה. פיקוד העורף מנחה את התושבים לשמור על ערנות ולהישאר בקרבת מרחב מוגן. שר התקשורת, סליחה, לפני שעה קלה שמענו את ניקיטה, תושב היישוב שבו התפוצצה בצהריים הרקטה. מצוק איתן, לא שמעתי פה כבר כלום, לא נפילות, לא אזעקות, לא שום דבר, זה היה ממש מפחיד לשמוע את האזעקה עכשיו, הייתה אזעקה אחת, שרצנו לממ"ד ומאז רק נפילות. נפילות, שריקות, נפילות, בסוף התברר שחלק מהם זה היה אירועים של כיפת ברזל, חווינו את החוויה דרך האוזניים. וכעת לשר התקשורת איוב קרא ששהה במהלך הירי מהרצועה באירוע מיוחד בכפר עזה לציון יום הולדתו של אורון שאול, זכרו לברכה, והגיב בזמן אמת לירי מעזה. קודם כל, האירוע לא היה חסוי, כל העולם ידע עליו, ידעו שמגיע לי פה שר, וגם אנשים חשובים, והם חיכו לזה כנראה, וההפתעה היא שאין רגש מינימלי של בני אדם בצד השני, כדי גם לחגוג יום הולדת לאימא, שכל כך חסר לה בן שלה, חסר לה ילד שלה. 
מדבריו של השר קרא הביאה כתבתנו עמית חדד. המדינה הגישה לבג"ץ בקשה לקיום דיון נוסף בסוגיית החזקת גופות מחבלים. כתבתנו דור מימון. לאחר שקבע בג"ץ כי על המדינה לחוקק חוק שיאפשר לה רשמית להחזיק בגופות מחבלים לצורכי משא ומתן, הוחלט כי הפרקליטות תבקש לקיים דיון נוסף בהרכב מורחב. המדינה טוענת כי בג"ץ בפרשנותו צמצם את הזכות המוקנית של המדינה להחזיק בגופות, וכי לא צריך חוק מפורש לעניין. ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו החליט למנות את יגאל אונה לתפקיד ראש מערך הסייבר הלאומי במשרד ראש הממשלה. כתבתנו המדינית אליל שחר מעדכנת כי המינוי טעון את אישור הממשלה. טן, שנצפה ביום רביעי האחרון בקיבוץ אמיר ונורה עקב חשד כי הוא נגוע בחלבת, נמצא אכן נגוע במחלה בתום בדיקה של השירותים הווטרינריים בבית דגן. כך מדווחת המועצה האזורית הגליל העליון, ידיעה שהעביר לנו כתבנו בצפון, גיא ורון. ובמצרים, חמישה בני אדם נהרגו וחמישה נוספים נפצעו בפיגוע בכנסייה בעיר חלואן, דרומית לקהיר. על פי דיווחי כלי תקשורת מקומיים, שניים מן ההרוגים בפיגוע הם שוטרים, ואילו המחבל חוסל. ולסיום, הקומיקאי ג'רי סיינפלד נחת בישראל לפני שעה קלה לקראת שתי הופעותיו בתל אביב במוצאי שבת. כתבנו יואב אונגר מספר כי סיינפלד מלווה בבני משפחתו מיהר עם הגעתו לסעוד את ארוחת הצהריים באחד מדוכני הפלאפל בתל אביב. תחזית מזג האוויר, הטמפרטורות תישארנה ללא שינוי. ואלה הם מועדי כניסת ויציאת השבת, פרשת ויחי. בירושלים תיכנס השבת בארבע ותשע דקות ותצא בחמש עשרים וחמש. בתל אביב תיכנס השבת בארבע עשרים ושלוש, יציאתה בחמש עשרים ושש. בחיפה נכנסת השבת בארבע ושתים עשרה דקות, יציאת השבת בחמש עשרים וארבע. ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת בארבע עשרים ושבע, ותצא בחמש עשרים ושמונה. שבת שלום. לכל מאזיננו. אלה החדשות שעורך אייל רבי ספרן, בצוות מיכאל אבו ועופר צ'יזיק.
Boy, he's a 
Ramadar, amazing song, amazing song. Bowie Kala from the uh, album Baruch Hashem. Micha Gammerman before that with Bowie Kala. You heard Chaim David Burson, brand new with Geula Rock off Tenlanu Chaim. And Mirake, brand new Simcha Liner. It was great having him in studio this week. We had a new music alert Wednesday with Simcha Liner here at JM in the AM. Good morning, all. 25 minutes after the hour on this JM in the AM Friday, candlelighting at 417. On this era of Shabbos, Parshas Vayechi. Monday, we're here. It's New Year's, but we are here. Make sure to be tuned in 6 till 9 for Jam in the AM. And, of course, all 24 hours for our phenomenal programming. Weekly update 15 minutes away here at Jam in the AM as we continue on this Friday morning. Malcolm Holmline will join us. We'll go through some of the... Uh, some of the news items of the last couple of weeks. We haven't had a chance over the last couple of weeks to uh, speak with Malcolm Holmline. So we'll take advantage this morning and ask him uh, all the different things that we're curious about in the news. Israel, the Jewish world, etc., etc. At 9 o'clock this morning, Naomi Nachman. Naomi will feature a uh, conversation with Leah Metel from One Tabletop and Elazar Gabe from Kosher Box and Rabbi Rappaport from Pocono Kosher. All three guests coming up on Table for Two between 9 and 10 this morning right after JM and the A. Make sure... To be tuned in. Here's brand new Avram Freed. Olim kulam lechan, kole 
JM in the AM. It's uh, David Gabe, brand new, with the um, uh, selections Kiem Chayenu and Hatov off Shirei Pinchas, volume number two. Uh, before that, Avramo Avram Fried with uh, Achim Banefesh off of Kamatov. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us a couple of minutes from now to start the weekly update. Get ready. We'll talk about the events of the last couple of weeks here at JMDA. I want to remind everybody that our friends at Bedford on Park, delicious restaurant, 61 East 34th Street, New York City, the northwest corner of Park and 34th. They are open Sunday. New Year's Eve, 5 p.m., last seating at 9.30 p.m. Party favors and more, of course, as you would suspect. On Monday, New Year's Day, they're open for both lunch and dinner. Check them out. You can go to Open Table on the Internet, Open Table, to make a reservation. That's the easiest way to do so. And the Chef Alex and his crew will be ready for you either Sunday or Monday at Bedford-on-Park, Northwest Corner Park Avenue, 34th Street, New York City. We cannot recommend it highly enough. We've been there many, many times. It is really Delicious and uh, with great service, wonderful location, and uh, you'll enjoy it. Bedford-on-Park, we thank them here at JM in the AM. Uh, also, a reminder, it is almost the very end of 2017, an amazing opportunity for everybody out there who's listening, who appreciates our programming, to keep us going by funding the uh, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. We ask everybody to give generously to the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. They keep JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network going. If you love what we do, if you like tuning in, if you specifically tune in just to hear what we're doing, it means you're somebody who really appreciates our programming. fjbunity.org is where you could donate. FJB, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. And we thank you. Weekly update coming up. Plenty more on a Friday morning at JM in the AM. Here's Derek Achim.
JM in the AM. Derech Achim with that beautiful Achadodi. Candlelighting 417. Want to thank uh, Judy Hertzfeld and the Hertzfeld family for donating to fjbunity.org in honor of this week's candlelighting time on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. Monday we are here. It's New Year's Day, but we're here between 6 and 9 with a full day of programming. Make sure to be tuned in. And of course, uh, tomorrow night, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull on Monday, on Sunday rather. It's JM Sunday with Matis starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time Live. Keep that in mind. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. I want to print out, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of great articles about Jewish uh, about the Jewish world and Israel before Shabbos begins. JewishWorldReview.com is a great place to start. Check them out online. And of course, OnlySimchas.com, continuing to utilize our content for some of their great news stories and their regular news feed. They have a wonderful Simcha news feed, obviously. That's what they're known for for so many decades. Um, but they have an amazing news feed with great stories from around the Jewish world. You should check out every single day. Go to OnlySimchas.com, OnlySimchas.com. Also, a reminder, as we are now on the final Friday of 2017, the final Friday of 2017, we are encouraging everybody who enjoys our programming and who tunes in to hear what's happening here every single day to please go to FJBUnity.org and give a nice year-end donation. I want to thank those who have already done so. Uh, again, it's FJB for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. Uh, do it today if you can, and we thank you very, very much. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's great to be with you. I appreciate it. It's uh, very warm and cozy day. <laughs> People around the world don't realize what's going on here, but we're we have 13 degrees here in uh in the New York City area and uh anybody uh walking to shul this Shabbos, make sure you bundle up properly. That may be the most important thing we say during the weekly update today, frankly, <laughs> is to remind everybody to be as careful as possible with this crazy weather. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since we've spoken. There's so much to talk about. I guess we should start with the vote in the United Nations. The uh, vote was 128 to 9, 9 against uh, uh, the um, uh, the um, resolution uh, coming uh, coming out condemning the United States for their new policy based on President Trump's announcement, a new policy regarding Jerusalem being the capital of Israel. I know there's no surprise here, but there's some interesting things in the aftermath of this vote of 128 to 9. Uh, can you confirm that there are, in fact, a significant number of countries that are now seriously considering moving their embassies to Jerusalem? Well, first of all, I think we should just review that people remember what happened with the the original move by the president, which changed nothing on the ground, was a moral declaration more than a, a political declaration, I believe, in writing an injustice of decade standing and simply reflected what is American law adopted in 1995 under President Clinton, which declared that Jerusalem uh, was the capital of Israel and urging that our embassy be moved and built in a waiver that everybody exercised every six months um, in order to avoid the penalties that were inherent in the, in the in the failure to actually implement the move if they didn't sign a waiver and declare it a national interest. Right. And so he, when it passed, you saw the reaction. I, I was actually, I spoke last week at uh, an international Islamic conference 
uh, with Islamic leaders from 40 countries in Baku and Azerbaijan, many and many Christian leaders as well, and heard the the vitriol, the outrageous uh, statements, uh, some bordering on anti-Semitic, especially by the Iranians and Turks and others. Um, and I responded very much in kind and very strongly to, to what they had to say. Uh, but you see how it's being exploited, not by grassroots reactions. And you remember everybody told us how the street would react, and you see that it's very limited and mostly inspired, uh, you know, incited, not sustained, no intifada, no, none of the other predictions uh, of massive uh, reaction, uh, and all based on lies, to, to, to being told to the people about what the implications of the U.S. move uh, was. And, of course, it ended up in a, uh, first going to the Security Council, where the U.S. vetoed it after standing alone, and then uh, to the General Assembly, where the automatic majority kicks in, and 128 countries voted for it, nine against it. But the really important message, which the media did not cover, was that 60-some countries did not vote for the measure. They either were absent, abstained, or voted against. And that is a, a really important statement, and I know that Ambassador Haley is going to do a reception for those 65 and as they said, they're taking notes, they're going to take names and see who stood with the U.S. and who did not. So that is what has led us uh, to the moment we are, but we've seen other threats that the Turks said they're going to put an embassy in East Jerusalem for the Palestinians. Others have threatened other measures, uh, boycotts, uh, all sorts of especially um, uh, emanating from the Palestinian Authority saying they won't meet with our negotiators, won't meet with Vice President Pence, uh, saying the United States has um, uh, eliminated itself as, uh, as a, a facilitator for talks when there's nobody else but the United States who can do that. It's just a case, again, of, of Abbas trying to seek to avoid his responsibility All right. and, mm-hmm. and negotiate. I'm going to come to the uh, to your question, but it's important that people, because I know the people make comments to me, you have to look at it in the context of what really happened and and to see that on the ground it, it didn't change. And they see that, and yet they continue this, this uh, incitement about Al-Aqsa being in danger, etc. Now, what I think is the most remarkable development, which you uh, noted, is how many countries, and I can tell you that I had meetings in this week, during this week, with representatives of several countries, two of whom said to me, could you help us find property in Jerusalem so that we can prepare for an eventual move? And because 17 countries had embassies before in Jerusalem, many retained the buildings, but most did not. So I think there are supposedly 10 countries considering it. I know of, of several that are seriously considering it, and and uh, uh, Guatemala uh, has courageously taken the lead on this. And uh, the foreign minister yesterday said, we don't care about the threats, we don't care about anything, this is our sovereign decision. And the right of every country to determine where its embassy should be, just as the right of every country to determine where its capital should be, is a, is a simple statement of sovereignty. If you're denying them those rights, you're denying them sovereignty. You tell the United States, you can't choose where you put your capital. Why not? Have you, what, who's to stop them? Have you heard Paraguay in that conversation? Yes, Paraguay, Romania, uh, Czech Republic. Um, I think Serbia was one of those that was considering it. Uh, Paraguay, Honduras uh, has come up. 
There were a few. Also, no. you see the change that Argentina and Mexico abstained, so that I think resulted in Netanyahu's visit. Uh, several African countries. Now, let, 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 a couple, before I ask you about the Islamic Countries Conference, which is fascinating, um, going back for a second, you just painted a picture that abstaining or being absent has a measure, a small measure, albeit, of heroism or courage. Let's put it that way for a moment. We'll be dramatic for a moment. If that's the case, first of all, to the average layperson, we never viewed it that way. The average person, you know, right. there, there, were, there were nine heroic countries, two of them the U.S. and Israel, and that was it. Everybody's on the other side. It's interesting that you and Nikki Haley obviously uh, agree on this topic where, where those who abstained or were absent deserve recognition. But if that's the case, why wouldn't, I don't know, the U.K., France, Japan, hop on that bandwagon and, and, and ride the fence and show everybody that they're not ready to condemn Israel or the United States, but at the same time, you know, they want to, you know, they want to go ahead and um, express their, you know, political position. Wouldn't it have been really safe for real allies of the U.S. and those who claim to be allies of Israel to have rattled the fence in that way? Yes, or straddled, it's, I should say. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> they would have been straddling, right. you know. Um, sitting on the fence for long starts to hurt. Right. The, the, <laughs> But no, it's a very good point. And the the again, the spineless Europeans who are signing their own death warrants with each of these moves uh, couldn't even find the courage to to abstain. Now, I think they decided to vote as a block, which is why some of the countries went along with it. But it, it's not. That's an excuse. It's not a. It's not an explanation. It's not a, a, a justification. They should have at least abstained or not shown up. And it, and it is a statement because one third of the UN did not participate, did not support the move against Israel, right. the move against the United States right. in this case, actually. Right. And and that's why the number is significant. I'm not saying to you that an abstention is the same as a vote against, or that being absent is as good as an abstention. Uh, it is not, but it is when you look at the cumulative numbers, and it is a vote against in essence. So the you know, they could not claim the victory that they wanted, which was to have the overwhelming majority, like in the in the um, Security Council of 14 to 1, they wanted that proportionately in the uh, in the General Assembly. They didn't get it. And uh, the European vote is outrageous, and people should let them know. They should write to every government, and if they have dealings with representatives, there are no consuls generals, ambassadors, anybody from these countries, from European countries in particular, to to make their voices heard. And and it also tells us, you know, don't take it, don't take for granted the friendship, you know, that the wonderful pronouncements. Right. Yet on a on a fundamental issue, they quickly abandoned, which is typical of Europe. And and I think that the administration, et cetera, should be. I hope people adhere to uh, your suggestion and mine about writing. And to to did, did I know a lot of them contacted us for the information. It's still not too late to let the president know that we appreciate the stand that he took. Uh, it's going to be an ongoing battle. Obviously, the media coverage of it was simply outrageous, so distorted, such a misrepresentation. Of, of the facts about Jerusalem and the and the editorial the, the editorial reaction to it, yeah. insane. Yeah. Now, um, so so France and the UK, for instance, had the opportunity to be invited to the friendship reception, and they blew it. Simple as that. All they had to do was abstain, and they blew it. 
What's interesting to me is uh, forget your and you just explained it. You know, in terms of the the, Europe, the general European reaction to these things. Um, you know, generally how it, you know, how they react. But what's interesting to me is this is the week where we read not only of the Chinese investment in Israel, which is off the charts, right? You've told us, and and the evidence is there. I mean, the billions and billions and hundreds of billions of dollars. But then we read this week about Japan. I'm sure you saw the story, and you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're very familiar with it, and you see their investment in Israel. What's interesting is that, that these countries d- do not feel it's important that they s- either side with Israel or, again, abstain from the vote uh, when they're doing so much business. You'd think that you know that money, <laughs> which usually dictates everything, would at least push them toward that abstention. But Israel doesn't put that type of pressure on them. The U.S. doesn't, and therefore we don't get that type of result. So I'm not, I'm not shocked that Japan and China are are abstaining or you know voting against uh, Israel and the United States in this type of scenario. It's just, it's just funny. You see what type of serious financial, what seems like daily relationship these countries now have with Israel, and yet they're still on the other side politically. Right. But the uh, look, they make a distinction between their business is business right. and politics is politics and what they think is expedient for them to do. And remember that they're all in competition uh, with one another. You, you already see the splits that are taking place, let's say, over Syria, where Turkey this week said they want to sod out something that Iran and, and, and um, Russia have insisted is, a, is a, a essential and it has to stay. Um, and they're all competing against one another for influence in the Muslim world, sometimes in the Arab world, but also economically with deals, etc. So they see this as politically expedient. They don't mind sacrificing Israel or the U.S. on the altar of political expediency. But at the same time, they they will look at you and they say, well, what's the difference? Look how much we trade. Look, Turkey, through all this period, the amount of trade between Turkey and Israel consistently rises, right. which some say, look, it's an expression of the people versus the government. The mm-hmm. government continues to uh, 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 completely deteriorate in, in regard to, to the positions it's taken. Uh, Erdogan's statements and others from Turkey have gotten worse and worse, and we see the domestic situation unrelated to Israel as well. And yet the trade continues to be sustained and, and increase throughout. So they are able to bifurcate their relationships into the different segments and not relate. You can sit at the U.N., condemn the United States, condemn Israel, and at the same time have delegations coming on an ever-increasing number from China, from Japan, from India, from all these other countries. (laughs) And, And India also, which has professed such friendship, did not vote. The right way. Right. It's humorous to an extent, but uh, yeah, I guess. No, but you know what? Again, we shouldn't dismiss, and and that is the danger. Uh, that people dismiss what happens at the UN is not important. It is important in the end because it establishes a record and it says that the international community has taken a stand. And if they're fa- failing to recognize the Jewish relationship to Israel, that could have long-term consequences. So people, um shmum is not a a, a policy. It's a mm-hmm. mistake. So you're at this Islamic country uh, um, a conference, and I guess your, your 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 main function is to defend and explain the position of the United States and Israel when it comes to Jerusalem. When you finish presenting, do any representatives come over and 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 show any type of uh, 
of of um, understanding of your position, or are they, or do they remain very hard line during the uh, the social time of a conference like that? Well, I would say that first that the applause for the Iranian who gave the most extreme speech, and it was Rouhani's uh, speech that was read by his chief of staff, a top official, and uh, it got. Uh, applause, but very little, I would say. Okay. Lukewarm, um, lukewarm reaction. Uh, lukewarm reaction, exactly. So people, they were uncomfortable, but immediately after the session, and I sat on the front row next to where the Iranian was sitting, the president of Azerbaijan, the religious leaders, you know, uh, representatives of the Christian faiths, uh, very high-level people uh, were there, and um and I was sitting in the front row with my yarmulke, with everything, and, and we were greeted on the way in uh, pretty warmly by people. And on the way out, there were some who felt bad, who, you know, so it was uncomfortable and, and et cetera. But I decided I was going to wait until my chance to talk, where, honestly, I blasted them. And I got applause. Wow. I'm not going to tell you it was overwhelming. But I got applause, and many people, people came up to take pictures uh, from Pakistan, from other countries that you wouldn't think so, that they wouldn't feel comfortable. But the, um, myself and the other two Jews who were there, uh, and I have to say, uh, Abraham Cooper followed me uh, uh, down on the on the, uh, speaking and also spoke about Jerusalem very strongly, the, uh, you know, Again, it's 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 strange for a Western mind because you see the inconsistency right. in the positions. Right. That's it. That's that's really it. It's hard for for people like us to adjust to that type of thing and to and to separate everything into different categories, especially when it's so extreme. When one that, when one of the categorical true. reactions is so extreme, it's but, hard to do that. Well, let me tell you one other thing. I, I met. I came the day before from Israel. You know, I got the Begin Prize, of which I'm very proud. Mazalta. My a relationship with Begin made it all the more meaningful, though that wasn't the reason I got it. But it was really, a, 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 for me, such a, a meaningful and touching event. And the uh, so I went from there, and I arrived in in Baku in Azerbaijan, and the president invited me to for a meeting. And what was interesting it was supposed to be twenty minutes. It was an hour and ten minutes, and he had many people waiting outside because uh, other leaders who were there. And it was interesting, of all the meetings he had, the one picture they put out the next morning on the newspapers, in the newspapers, was the picture of he and I sitting there with my yarmulke very visible. <laughs> and they took it from an angle so that you could see my yarmulke. They could have easily done it from the front or right. from the, you know, as right. we walked in. And, you know, and then I, I did an interview, and that was the one that they chose to to play up. And the... You know, so Azerbaijan is an unusual country. You have a Jewish community; it's lived there in peace. They have yeshiva there. They have other facilities there that uh, are remarkable. You know, they provide a kosher food for us, and the uh, president himself is is an amazing friend of Israel. Even though he didn't vote the right way at the United Nations either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, don't ask for consistency when it comes to Middle East or Israel. They don't feel the pressure. I'm telling you, nobody put. I get maybe maybe we don't have the capability of putting enough pressure. Or Israel doesn't have the capability of putting enough pressure on some of these countries. But also, well, as you but when the, you're as, sitting on the border of Iran, right. and Russia, right. and Turkey. And you have all of these domestic pressures on you and the threat of the Islamists. And tens of countries influencing you to vote their way. 
Right. Right. So, but but just look at you have to look at people's geopolitical and rea- uh, realities and where where they are and despite the fact that they act courageously in Israeli Air Force, you know, and they have very close relationships, I don't want to go further, and many other things. So you say, what is important? You condemn them because they can't, they don't feel that they can break with the consensus on the vote? Or do you say, let's look at the realities and see what situation they're in, and despite that, how far they have come and what they do? It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. We ask everybody on this final Friday of 2017 to help support our great work at JMNAM and the uh, NSN Network. Go to FJBUnity.org. FJB stands for the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, FJBUnity.org and give as generously as possible before the clock strikes midnight on uh, Sunday night. Um, what, In light of the uh, Japanese vote and the way it went in the U.N. and uh, the, what we just discussed regarding Japan, what did you think of them throwing their hat into the ring of uh, hosting a Middle East peace summit? Look, if people are looking at the what they see as a diminishing role for the United States. I do not agree with that. Um, and... Japan and China, they can all host very nice parties, but they can't have an impact on the negotiations. Only the United States can. Europe and the United, and especially after this, the events at the UN has disqualified itself. It, it has proven its track record in the Middle East is not something that they can boast about. So is as, there still a quartet? Is there but, still a quartet or not? Pardon me? Is there still a quartet officially or not? There is a quartet still. I don't think it has met in a long time, and um, you know, it was the former prime minister of Britain who, who kept it alive, but um, it, it is not, I don't think it, is conv- it has convened in a long time. And it would be very hard, you know, the United States and Russia virtually have nothing to talk about. And the French and British, again, that by their positions, have, have estranged themselves even more. But so Japan and China and everybody else wants to play on the international scene. They want to be uh, machers and you know, um, by convening such a gathering that, that that would elevate them, it's not going to result in anything unless it's the United States. And by pandering to Abbas's incalcitrance and his uh, insulting remarks to the U.S. and to others, I think is a, is a mistake. The only thing that works is showing strength. One, we should reward our allies. Countries like Azerbaijan and others do not get the attention from the U.S. that they should. But on the other hand, we have to be tough and send very strong messages now. We, our interests are being threatened every day, and it is an increasing threat with the coalescence of, of uh, Russia with, um, with Iran and Turkey, just as they coalesced. By the way, in Sykes-Picot, they actually pulled out later, leaving it to the French and British. But uh, they, it was the similarities, I think, are, are uh, great, in, at least on the superficial level, about what is happening. And we're seeing every day that the their interests are spreading. You see now the Iranian-backed forces in Lebanon, near the Lebanese border, encroaching closer and closer to Israel. Uh, we see the, the expansionism that both are engaged in throughout the region. And, you know, countries like Saudi Arabia, UAE, others are, are being threatened. We, we have to, and Egypt, and we have to do more to stand up for our friends, for these countries, and send the message that we will we will be there to protect our interests, which is to see to it that these 
you know, a government like President Sisi uh, survives and sustains. That might require Israel to uh, have stronger reaction up north when it comes it, to the Lebanese. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not maybe if it continues. It's, yeah, there's it's, no choice. There's Just no like, choice, I mean, exactly. And, and, Israel's taking a lot of steps, by the way, to fortify those borders, uh, the border in the north, and they've, they've done a lot of things at changing the topography, meaning the... Um, physical situation on the ground, but also uh, with the reinforcements and uh, a lot of concern about what the, what they call the war in the north. And we should mention, it's a good time to mention, based on this morning's news, that the uh, uh, that Israel in the south, in the south portion of Israel, uh, next to the Gaza Strip, is being hit by rocket fire, and the IDF uh, felt it, in, uh, felt it um, important to respond to that uh, they have this morning. To. They have to. You cannot... Even they will say, Hamas will say, well, it's not us, it's Islamic Jihad. They are in charge. They're held accountable for what happens. And the fact is that, look, the United Nations, nobody gives a damn that innocent civilians are being fired upon across an international border from which Israel completely withdrew. And and they still talk about it as if Israel's an occupying power there and, and in charge, rather than saying, here's the PA, here's Hamas, here's the, how the, what they do when they're given control and uh, of their own destiny. And they use it for uh, only to destroy the interests of people and enrich the leadership. Yeah, well, that's the old story, is for sure. When the President of the United States, after the whole UN thing, went out with the statement about the Western Wall always must be part of Jerusalem, that that was doubling down on what had happened, or that was sort of calming things down, showing that, again, like he did in the original speech, that he's only concerned when it comes to Jewish tradition with the Western Wall, and the Temple Mount will be something dealt with later on. Look, I think it was a much more innocent statement than the way it was uh, um, portrayed, that they said we don't see any circumstance right now in which the Western Wall wouldn't remain in Jewish hands. Well, that doesn't mean much. Frankly, I'd rather him say that the Temple Mount will remain in Jewish hands because, yeah. you know, it's stones, and we, it's only holiness is by virtue of its location uh, abutting the, the Temple Mount. And the, but the, the statement, I think, was, was uh, much more innocent and, and, and uh, straightforward and not some sort of a, you know, meant to create a new policy. It was a simple statement of fact, and I don't know anybody who can think today that you you would end up with a circumstance where these areas would not remain under Jewish control, Israel control. Understood. The ambassador, David Friedman, has been, uh, for, for, the, for those who are uh, always fighting for a greater Israel and, like, and would like to see a greater Israel, uh, it's amazing some of the things he says and should be commended for it. He has taken on the State Department and their insistence on using the word occupied when it comes to quote-unquote occupied territories. Now, I don't think much is going to change in the way the State Department deals with this, but uh, he felt it was important to get out there and make the statement. Yeah, it's quite remarkable, but uh, the State Department still remains what it was. And uh, unfortunately, you see that personnel changes haven't taken place, and more and more of it is it is being relegated to their irrelevance, um, maybe with the exception of the secretary with his small group at the overall State Department. And uh, there are many vacant key positions. It's, you know, America needs a vibrant and robust diplomatic corps and an advocacy group. Um, and right now that is not uh, what most of the people I meet around the world feel is, is happening. Uh, we had went through a period of American 
retrenchment or disengagement as perceived by certainly by our friends in the Middle East. And um, they thought that this would change dramatically. I think that the message sent by the president on Israel, though, has a salutary effect on the other countries when they see that America stands by its friends. It stands up for an ally. It does what it believes is right, doesn't back off, and starts to use its power and its influence to set certain standards and say, well, we're not going to continue just to be, you know, the targets and, and to be trampled upon, as, uh, as is often the case. Yeah, no question about it. A very important message, of course. Uh, what do you think of the uh, proposal to, to name the, the Western Wall train station after President Trump? I don't know how much thought goes into these things when they make it, and ministers just make pronouncements. And by the way, there are about a half a dozen proposals to name things for Trump, uh, for President Trump, uh, in, all over Israel, in different places in Israel. Um, I think, you know, we've named places for other presidents. I don't see why, you know, it's not such an unusual thing and, and a tribute that he earned by virtue of what he has done in these, these weeks. Uh, I don't know about the train station. Uh, well, let's see when it's built and when it actually uh, gets uh, get, gets to be functional. Uh, of course, the Palestinians and others are going to react have reacted negatively to it, and uh, and it calls and highlights, you know, that they have what they have to do there to dig to make the station uh, feasible. Uh, I think in many cases you don't highlight, you talk, don't talk so much, get it done. And the reality always shows that it doesn't change anything on the ground. It doesn't threaten anybody. Uh, and they could certainly name it for President Trump at that time. Hmm, interesting. Uh, a couple of stories that I better get to, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I'm going to hear about it. Um, it, it would be un- if we put if you'd put together a list based on your vantage point of those who are responsible for the work behind um, uh, securing the commutation of the Rubashkin sentence. It, it would be a pretty long list. Am I right about that or not? Many people over the years uh, wrote letters, helped. There were some who obviously devoted themselves to this to a greater degree, especially his daughter and um, people in different organizations. Uh, many, many who, I mean, I know the people who wrote me and contacted us about different initiatives which we supported. That uh, there were many people who who contributed uh, to it, but it's really uh, got to look at it as. Uh, as a great message for for Hanukkah of, that, of the, this year, that uh, he that this injustice, that the length of his sentence, uh, and I think now they should let it go quiet, let him build his life, rebuild his life with his family, and uh, that work for on behalf of others who are suffering from injustices. Uh, so you were not surprised at the uh, at the scope of the worldwide celebration because it was such a, because the length of the sentence was such an injustice. I think it was a reaction in that people who had worked hard all the time and, you know, people, the people like Benny Lipschitz at the Ted who, you know, stayed on this week after week and people, you know, started to take this on because they saw that it was, uh, uh, I mean, that anti-Semitism was involved here is hard to argue against. And that... Uh, wow, and you, don't, yeah, and you don't jump to that very often. Right. But I think that in this case... Too many things that can't be explained, and especially some of the statements by the judge and other things that raise really serious questions. And and many lawyers, many former Justice Department officials, many others came out 
in favor of of uh, of lessening the sentence of commuting it of pardon uh, because they saw the injustice in this and the, and the irrationality of some of it is just it was just incredible and right. I, I and I regret some of the recriminations that you hear now and and other things we should focus on building support and thanking those who who were involved and who helped uh, get the secure the release but it's ultimately it was the president's decision yeah um and of course, uh, I'm sure as soon as you saw this story, you knew that our listeners would uh, demand that we get a reaction from you, and we didn't have the chance last week. Um, this Politico piece, I'll read the first paragraph, although I really could read so much of it, of this very long piece just to explain to everybody uh, what's going on here and what they've learned. In its determination to secure a nuclear deal with Iran— the Obama administration derailed an ambitious law enforcement campaign targeting drug trafficking by the Iranian-backed terrorist group Hezbollah, even as it was funneling cocaine in the U.S., this according to a Politico investigation. The campaign dubbed Project Cassandra was launched in 2008 after the DEA amassed evidence that Hezbollah had transformed itself from a Middle East-focused military and political organization into an international crime syndicate that some investigators believe was collecting $1 billion a year from drug and weapons trafficking, money laundering, and other criminal activities. Over the next eight years, agents working out of a top-secret DEA facility in Virginia used wiretaps, undercover operations, and informants to map Hezbollah's illicit networks with the help of 30 U.S. and foreign security agencies. And the report, Malcolm, of course, as you know, accuses the Obama administration of of setting as many hurdles in the way as possible in this investigation in order to secure the nuclear deal with Iran. What uh, is your comment about this article? Well, that was uh, the essence of the article, and um, and Politico and the reporter really deserve a lot of credit. They worked a long time on it. Lee Smith has since written about it. And an important article that appeared yesterday that I hope people will read as well, uh, because this is a very important story. And uh, I, I just have to add that those who listen to us regularly know right. that I've talked. I talked about this right. years ago mm-hmm. when, and we have been following. You describe this as the way that they fund terrorism. Uh, exactly, and even here in the United States, not just right. in in uh, Lebanon, but right. and and globally, actually through South America, the trade routes, the, the smuggling routes, and it involves narco terrorism and weapon smuggling and mafia operations, all sorts of things in our own country, and uh, this certainly warrants a thorough investigation. That if there was a deliberate effort to to squash, and it, I think his evidence is very credible, and from what I know and I have known, and I could, you know my frustration on this issue and related aspects that administrations did not pursue and uh, that even some of the tobacco others had joined in efforts to expose these illicit networks which were funding Hezbollah in America, let alone around the world, but hundreds of millions of dollars in the United States uh, supposedly is going to them because of the and supporting terrorist uh, operations. So this requires and and really warrants, and this is not, you know, just the political bandwagons and the normal rivalries where people have charges, countercharges. That's the problem today, that almost nothing is taken seriously because you have so many charges and countercharges and, you know, with the Russia and other things. And 
then serious issues get shunted aside because people just get tired of it or, or glaze over on it. This is fundamental. This is a question of whether the Justice Department was stopped from uh, concluding this investigation or implementing an investigation uh, that threatened American security, American national interest. Unbelievable. Um, I, I would guess the majority, if not all, the blame would be at the feet of President Obama? Or his associates or people connected to him, and it's not just uh, the president himself. Uh, this this had to be a decision uh, that starts at top or high up, but um, many other people had to be involved in implementing it, and I know that there are probably a lot of uh, agents who worked on this or people in government who have to be very frustrated and angry and regrettably didn't go public at the time when it maybe still could have been saved. Unbelievable. There'll be more about this, I'm sure, right? Oh, this is not going to go away. When the Congress comes back, I'm sure that there will be uh, hearings on it, investigations of it. The uh, question is, you know, with time, it, it's harder to do it, but the, the, there probably is ample evidence uh, still available that we could at least ascertain the truth and find out how high up did it really go, and does it reach into the White House, to the Oval Office, or was there others who could have done this and sent the word you know, to to kill this. All right, weekly update will return next. Oh, um, Diplomat Hotel. You think that'll be the site of the uh, of the embassy in Jerusalem? They're looking at various uh, locations. They own various locations now. One I'm told that they had hoped would be is was is now being built up around it. So they, they know certainly the area around the Diplomat Hotel is very built up. It would be uh, a lot of congestion there in that that area because it's a heavily tra- traveled and, and uh, residential area near the hotels. But uh, I don't think the problem is finding a location. I think there are ample uh, places where an embassy could be built. If it's the diplomat, that will be fine. It will take years to, to do it. And I don't think the projections of 2018, 19, 20, 21 are, are feasible. I think it'll take uh, longer, but regardless, if they start the process, uh, it'll be important, and I hope that others will, and people should secure their places in in Jerusalem because the prices are going to go up once embassies start moving because they'll need offices, they'll need residences, they'll need to uh, establish themselves over the coming years. Yes or no, the U.N. offices will be evicted from Jerusalem. <laughs> Is that a No. Uh, no, will, well, they won't evict it, and Mladenov uh, has good relations uh, with many people in the administration. But uh, there are increasing calls about it, but I don't think that that's, that's likely oh, to and, the right way. And we didn't get your comments about the close to $300 million budget cut that the U.S. has now uh, ordered regarding the U.N. payments. Uh, long overdue. We, we yeah, paid I you'd a love disproportionate it. amount just to be disproportionately criticized and attacked. Yeah. and ignored, and I think uh, one has to say that Nikki Haley has been uh, amazing in her in her presentations and Incredible. her consistency. Uh, reminds one back to the days of John Bolton and people like that. It's yeah. a, There is a tradition. Um, um, we had others uh, who uh, over the years were, were really um, terrific speakers, spokespeople and stood up for 
America, let alone standing up for Israel. When they stand up for Israel, they are standing up for America's interest and America's position. And the the, um, the but she she has really been uh, outstanding. And and people should not think that this is water off a duck's back at the UN. That they can all say, you know, that doesn't matter. It matters. And when they say we're going to start counting heads, when countries that want stuff from the United States, as all do start thinking about the price they're going to pay for it. And we have to make them pay a price. There has to be some example set, at least, that you know gives teeth to the, to the threat that the, and, and her, uh, um, her declaration that you know we're going to take names. Right. Don't, people should not dismiss the significance of that. There is still only one United States. That's for sure. Uh, by the way, on the NSN app, uh, a listener says, Mr. Honline, you are a walking Kiddush Hashem. We continue to be inspired by your work and determination to do what's right. So it looks like you had a good week, Malcolm. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Believe me, it's nice to hear. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we will speak Bezrat Hashem next Friday morning. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. A reminder, those of you who love the weekly update or any portion of JM in the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network, please make sure to make a year-end donation at fjbunity.org. FJB stands for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. fjbunity.org. Make a generous donation and uh, join the effort to keep us going for 2018. Why not? May as well. We've been doing so great for all these 35 years. Give us another year. Uh, fjbunity.org. And I thank all those who've contributed in our part of our 2017 campaign. Want to take this opportunity to wish a major mazel tov to Frida and Yogi Lashinsky. Uh, they and the entire Lashinsky family are celebrating the bar mitzvah this Shabbos of Yehuda Lashinsky. Yehuda, mazel tov to you. Mazel tov to the ex- extended Lashinsky and Sambul families from all the Seagulls and all of us here at JM and the AM. Uh, Frida and Yogi are amazing people. Their family is wonderful and we cannot wait to celebrate with them. Yehuda Lashinsky and to Frida and Yogi Mazal Tov on the big bar mitzvah celebration from all of us here at JM in the AM. This, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayechi. This is Shabbos Chazak. We take leave this Shabbos, conclude the Sefer Bereshis, move on, please God, next week to Sefer Shmos. Take note, this is the parsha that Yaakov dies. And what's the name of the parsha? Vayechi, and Yaakov lived. This is very, very powerful. If you turn and open up your Chumash to chapter, the very end of chapter Memtes 49, it happens to be the last Pasuk. The Torah says, Yaakov completed, finished, extending to his children the last will and testament. And what does it say? He drew his feet onto the bed, 
Vayigva, he expired, stopped breathing. Vayayosef Elamov, and was gathered to his people. Two very interesting observations. Number one, Rashi points out in quoting the Gemara in Tanis 5b that Umisa Lunemra, the Torah does not mention the obvious that Yaakov died. So Rashi quotes the Gemara that says, Yaakov Avinu Lomes, that Yaakov didn't die. Unbelievable. How could it be he didn't die? The Torah speaks at such length and detail of the extensive funeral that he had and the mourning that they had for Yaakov. So how could you say he didn't die? Says the Talmud, Mazaro Bachayim, as long as Yaakov's progeny, his grandchildren, his great pinch yourself, as long as you are a proud card carrying member of Klai Yisrael, Yaakov is still alive. The second observation from that Pasuk is, ask yourself, what does that mean? Vayayosef el that he was gathered to his people. And I really believe that this is one of those strong references in the Torah to Olam Haba, to the world to come, that there is a world of the souls to which Yaakov descended. I'd like to devote this morning's Dvar Torah to the issue of the end of life, halachic issues, and to first of all begin by praising Rabbi Elchanan Zon, the head of the Hebra Kadisha of Queens, but really the head of Hebra Kadisha throughout, certainly, North America. He's there day and night to answer Shilas, to give guidance, and has called this Shabbos a Shabbos called Team Shabbos, namely traditional end-of-life awareness movement. I wish Rav Zone good health to continue his wonderful work on behalf of Chesed Shel Emes, on behalf of Klal Yisrael. Now, the important lesson that the Torah is telling us at the beginning of the parasha, when Yaakov calls in Yosef and instructs Yosef, don't bury me in Egypt. Bury me, in this case here, in my plot of at the Moras HaMachpelah, purchased by Avraham. And that's where Yitzchak, my father, is buried. And that's where I wish to be buried. And parents should make known what their plans are to their children. Because, as a Jew, we are instructed to live as a Jew, and we're instructed as well to die as a Jew. To die as a Jew means that the Torah says that after a person takes leave of this world, they are to be buried. And, God forbid, cremation is not an option. Above-ground burial is not an option. 
the Torah says that El Ofar Ki Ofar Ato Fil Ofar Toshuv. You come from the ground, earth, and you return to the earth. Now, I have to tell you to take a look at the in the fifth book, in chapter twenty-one, pasuk twenty-three. The Torah is speaking about the rare situation where a criminal is, God forbid, hung. This is not happening every, quote, Montag and Donnerstick, every Monday and Thursday. But whenever it happens, listen carefully, the Torah says, You are not to allow the body to remain on the gallows overnight, but rather, you are to bury him, the criminal, on that very same day. Interestingly, this is the closest you're going to find in the Torah, that the Torah says that a good Jewish person requires burial. Even a criminal requires burial. Why? Elohim Tolui. Literally, because a hanging person is a curse of God. What does that mean? Because Rashi says so beautifully that man is created in the image of God. And therefore, if man is demeaned, if the body is demeaned, the body that housed the soul, it is a form of unfortunate reflection on God himself. And Rashi gives a very interesting parable. What may it be compared to twins who were identical twins? One became a very upstanding governor, and the other one became a gangster. And unfortunately, they caught the gangster, and they hung him. Whoever saw that person hung said, the governor is being hung. Similarly, the same thing here. Man is created in the image of God. And so, man has sanctity. And therefore, we look and treat the body with sanctity. And therefore, it's time to pause for a moment and give proper recognition to the Hebra Kadisha, those men who take care, wash, and dress the deceased men, those women who do this chesed shall emes for women. It's never convenient to do atara. It's never convenient to do shmira, to wash and and dress the body, to sit and be with the body from the time of passing until the burial. (coughs) But this is a very special mitzvah, and we applaud those individuals who volunteer and do this mitzvah. What emerges from this parsha is the sanctity of life, and we live in a time that unfortunately life is judged as quality of life. Namely, can a person use the smartphone? Can he... he or she conduct themselves on the computer. If not, 
oh my goodness, what good are they? What kind of a quality of life if they can't give you this social security number and they don't necessarily recognize their children? God forbid it should never happen, right? And what happens in such a situation? So we know we live in a day and age where you can sign a paper and say, should I ever be in that situation? Very simply, don't do this to me, don't do that to me, as if you are the balabayas, as if you are in control over your own life. And we say no. God gives, God takes. He is the balabayas, and you are not the balabayas. And therefore, I strongly recommend that everybody has a halachic will. What is a halachic will exactly? It designates one family member, because otherwise I've seen it too many times in my rabbinic practice, how children, everybody means well, will fight among themselves, and oftentimes very bitterly, each one only meaning well for their loved one, for their parent. But should we do this? Should we not do that? And why mucha? And why put them through difficulty? So you designate a child, one, to be the one to make decisions together with and in consultation with your rabbi, with a rabbi that you know, a rabbi that you trust, a rabbi that you've had dealings with all the years, and if not, do your homework. Don't go to the phone book and necessarily pick out a rabbi, but go and find out someone who is knowledgeable and compassionate, and that's the individual that you want helping to make the right decisions, because we believe that every moment of life is precious, and therefore, too often, hospice, if it's not controlled, again, what does hospice mean? It means that it's the end of life with dignity, and too often they don't feed, and too often they don't give hydration, and too often they don't give all medication. And unfortunately, what they are doing is they're hastening the time of death. It might be with dignity because they're giving the person a lot of morphine, but unfortunately, what's happening is this is against Torah law, where every moment of life is precious. And therefore, you need a halachic living will. I'll show you that every moment of life is precious. Take a look in the book of Yonah and in chapter 1 when they have the lots and they determine who is the cause of the storm and they realize it's Yonah. He says, So'uni, lift me up, v'hatiluni elayam, and throw me into the sea. What's this lift me up? Lift me up means give me another moment of life. Every moment of life is precious. What do we find in the Bishalach, where Hashem says to Moshe, tell the Jewish people to go forward? And in chapter 14, verse 18, God says 
to Moshe and the Jewish people, V'yodu Mitzrayim ki ani Hashem. Mitzrayim will know that I am God. Mitzrayim, they're going to be drowned in the Yamsuf. So either the Ebenezer says it means the people back home who didn't come, or no, other commentaries say no. Those that drowned, a moment before the drown, they drowned, they had that moment of truth, that moment of realization, what? That there is a God in this world, and He is in control of all. And that moment of life was the most significant moment in their life. The Gemara in <coughs> Yuma Peheyama <coughs> Bay's 85B gives many explanations and sources for why we will violate Shabbos in order to save a life. And one of the sources is Vishamru Bnei Yisrael Shabbos, the Jewish people will observe the Shabbos, la'asos, to do the Shabbos, to make the Shabbos. And the Talmud says, violate one Shabbos in order that he may observe more Shabbosos, many more in the future. But what if all the doctors agree the person only has 24 to 36 to just a few hours to live? How do we know that even in that case there? So the smug in Hilchos Shabbos brings down the marshal that says it doesn't mean necessarily that that person, the one that's critically ill at the moment, is going to observe other Shabbosos, but by his having extra moments of life, by your extending his life for any amount of time, given that he's part of the Jewish people, that's helping other Jewish people keep many more Shabbatot in the future. We don't realize, we don't want suffering, and there's no question about it, that the halacha tries to prolong life and not prolong suffering. But we understand that if a person does have some suffering at the end of life, we understand the Gemara in Brachos 5a speaks of the concept of Yisurim Shel Ava. We believe, as we say with the individual prior to their passing, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. What does that mean? We believe that there's a Father in Heaven. And just as we have compassion, He has compassion as well. And we believe that sometimes a little bit of suffering, not that we want it, and not that we wish it on anybody, but that Yisurim Emarkin, but that suffering can literally cleanse and a little bit of suffering here can take away a great deal of suffering in the next world to come. There's so much that we don't understand, but there's so much that we do, and that is that the Torah informs us in this week's parsha, Vayechi Yaakov, and the message is the Jew has to live as a Jew and the Jew as well has to die as a Jew. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Shire 
J.M. in the A.M. Sandy Shmueli. He's pretty amazing, wouldn't you say? Uh, there he is with Mimkomcha. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi, candle lighting at 417. Want to thank Judy and the Hertzfeld family for donating to J.M. in the A.M. at fjbunity.org in honor of this week's candle lighting time. And in honor of Micha Gammerman, we did the uh, title track to his song a couple hours back. Candlelighting 417 in the New York area. Monday, we are here. I know people don't believe it, but it's true. Monday, we are here. I hope you'll be here. New Year's Day with us at JM in the AM. Why not? May as well tune in and spend time with us. Want to remind everybody that we're going to be there in Las Vegas for Pesach 2018 at the Westin Lake Las Vegas Resort and spa with the Douglas Sokloff Experience and Prestige Caterers. Uh, there's an information line, 1-800-826-5645. 1-800-826-5645. is a website, SokloffExp.com, S-O-C-L-O-F-E-X-P.com, S-O-C-L-O-F-E-X-P.com. Um, join us. Should be an amazing and incredible Pesach, that's for sure. I want to thank our friends at Bedford-on-Park. They remind everybody that they are open on Sunday, New Year's Eve. They'll start at 5 p.m. The last seating will be at 9.30 p.m. They'll be open New Year's Eve starting at 5 at Bedford-on-Park, 61 East 34th Street in New York City, northwest corner of 34th and Park. You'll enjoy all their incredible starters and salads and burgers and entrees and steaks and side dishes. So good, and the dessert is phenomenal. And Chef Alex, I guarantee you, is going to go all out for New Year's. Uh, plus, on Monday, New Year's Day, they are open for both lunch and dinner. Monday, New Year's Day, they're open for lunch and dinner. So head on over to 61 East 34th Street in New York City, Bedford-on-Park. You can make your reservation at Open Table on the Internet. Open Table is a perfect place to make a reservation. And uh, they look forward to seeing everybody either Sunday or Monday, uh, the final day of 2017 or the first day of 2018. There you go. Speaking of 2018, please, please give as generously as you can at fjbunity.org. If you love JM and the AM and the Nahum Single Network and you appreciate the fact that we just keep providing amazing programming every single day, then go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, Foundation of Jewish Broadcasting, and, um, and give. Give as generously as you can before the end of 2017. 2017 ends Sunday night. So before Sunday night, I ask you to do that and to uh, help us out and keep us going into 2018. Why not? Who wouldn't want to see us keep going into 2018? Of course. And as I said earlier, a special mazel tov to the Lashinsky family on uh, the big bar mitzvah this Shabbos. Looking forward to celebrating with them and a big mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. We'll do a piece of Ari Goldwag's curry bone. Plenty more coming up on a Friday morning broadcast. It's JM in the AM. Malachaio, we've had give or take this 
Goldwag, Friday morning era of Shabbos, JM in the AM. We're here Monday. Make sure to be tuned in. Don't forget Sunday. Matis is here with JM Sunday live between 7 and 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. Final day of 2017. Avrami tomorrow night with Saturday Night Seagull beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure to be tuned in to Avrami tomorrow night. Naomi Nachman is coming up next. Naomi Nachman is next with Table for Two. She'll feature Alea Metal from One Tabletop, Elazar Gabe from Kosher Box, and Rabbi Rappaport from Pocono Kosher, all coming up in the uh, next hour. The Erev Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, sponsored by our friends at Kedem, begins at 10 a.m., and it's going to be amazing. Make sure to prepare for Shabbos with us at the NSN Nachum Siegel Network. Time to take a Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM. Through the trees, another week's gone by. So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find the gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well in. Go on home and find a gift 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. <laughs> Naomi Nachman, table for two, coming up next. You can see the whole thing on our homepage at NachumSegal.com. Mark Zamek, our Erev Shabbos show, sponsored by the wonderful people at Kedem, comes up at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Between that and our Erev Shabbos music mix, it is the best way to prepare for Shabbos. Get ready. Just keep it on the Nachum Single Network all day long. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Monday morning on New Year's, we're here starting at 6 a.m. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend. Till then, Nachum Single reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.